Chapter Twenty Four of As in a Mirror by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Four. I have started out now for truth. Hildreth was in the sitting room waiting for her caller. To say that she was annoyed does not express the situation. Yet her face, besides being grave, was certainly somewhat disturbed. If she had spoken her inmost thought, she would perhaps have said that she was tired of it all, almost tired of everybody connected with her world. It had been such a trying world to her lately, so full of petty intrigues that had, like most intrigues, their serious and dangerous side, so full of twists and quibbles and prevarications of the truth, when the truth would have served every purpose better, and would royally have shielded its adherents.' There was Corliss, for instance, whose trouble, that had well nigh been serious indeed, was born entirely of his propensity to toy with words, and let others gain what impressions they would therefrom. The more false the impressions, the more intense his enjoyment. But her face cleared for a moment at thought of Corliss. The watching Father in heaven had been greater than his word even corliss's follies had been made to work together for his good and corliss's feet were securely settled at last on rock foundation but there was poor alfie led astray in the first place by her love of mystery to have a secret to whisper over with laura holcomb to receive letters from somebody who thought all the time that she was somebody else to send him her photograph that should not be her photograph at all it was all such fun as the poor little simpleton had expressed it yet what would be the outcome of such fun would elfie ever recover from the shock that it had been to her to discover what the great censorious cavilling world thought of such things she had had her lesson poor darling she had learned that it was not her father and mother and sister alone who were over particular but that, when it came to experiences like hers, the very people who had hinted at straight-laced notions and overstrained ideas and fanatical theories were among the first to hold up hands of horror and cry, who would have believed that she could do such a thing? Oh, yes, the child had learned a lesson that she would remember. But who could be sure that the sweetest flowers of innocence and guilelessness had not been crushed in the learning certainly it had been a bitter experience for them all and hildreth who knew how fond the gossips were of talking felt that the end was not yet there too was nanny her friend since childhood beloved as few girl friends are yet how constantly as she grew old enough to realize and understand it had she deplored in Nanny that marked trait which led her to appear what she was not. It had exhibited itself in almost babyhood, leading her to smile and appear pleased with attentions that were really a trial to her. This trait, which had been called amiability, had perhaps been unwisely admired and fostered. Certainly it grew and developed in Nanny the sort of girl who said, "'Oh, how delightful!' when she listened to a plan that in her heart she thought was a bore, and, I shall be very happy to go, when she meant that she would do almost anything to avoid going. 
pity for nanny that she did not at the most formative period in her life come in contact with any one who labelled this development falseness instead it was common politeness it grew upon her and had finally borne the fruit which had brought her to the depths of humiliation and almost despair thinking it over and realizing that she had faults probably as grave hildreth could yet be sure that temptation in this guise would never have come to her and now when she was all but sinking under the weight of pain and anxiety caused by the various outgrowths of this same form of sin must come john to add his experience whatever it was she shrank from it all why need she hear any more she was tired she felt that she had no more advice to give that even the vaguest kind of sympathy was almost too much to expect of her she had not the remotest conception of what john's confidence might be she told herself half impatiently that she was too weary of it all to form a theory yet there had floated through her mind a fancy that he must in some way be connected with that disagreeable and altogether unjust will perhaps as a witness who for some reason known to himself had contrived at hiding the document she smiled sarcastically over the memory of his surprising statement that he would not permit any such absurdity probably in his ignorance he imagined that he could prevent it yet john was not ignorant she recalled abundant proof that he was remarkably well informed he was simply a mystery and she hated mysteries she was almost sorry she had permitted him to come to her with his story not quite for even in this unusual irritability which seemed to have her in hand there was still the solemn sense of responsibility toward every person with whom she came in contact especially for those who asked help at her hand she had struggled with her unwillingness to shoulder any more secrets and had concealed her annoyance if not weariness when she said to her mother with a wan smile john wants to see me alone for a few minutes mother i told him he might come at any time after seven more burdens asked mrs elliot sympathetically poor little woman she has had to shoulder the troubles of others ever since she could walk never mind dear such work has its compensations i hope john is not in any difficulty i have a hearty liking for him if he is ready to confide his history to you it may be the dawning of a better day for him elfie bring your book and come to father's room he will like to have you read aloud for a while poor elfie had looked up with a quick apprehensive glance the moment she heard of john's request and then had dropped her eyes on her book again but they saw nothing on the printed page all sorts of incidents filled elfie with apprehension in these days what could john want of hildreth but to impart to her cautiously some fresh gossip about herself which it was necessary for them to know he would naturally come to hildreth for her father was not yet well enough to be troubled more than was necessary and they all shielded her mother as much as possible there was no need of fearing that john was himself in trouble john was good she felt that she knew better than any of them how good he was 
so hildreth sat waiting and in order to banish as much as possible all disagreeable thinking she took up the last number of a popular magazine and turned to stuart king's serial story she might not approve of him entirely but he furnished very interesting reading and then the sitting-room door opened and john stuart entered unceremoniously he had stood in the hallway for several seconds being haunted by the silliest trivialities in the garb of john stuart king it seemed natural to think of conventionalities in his side pocket at this moment reposed his card case well filled under ordinary circumstances the proper thing would be to ring the doorbell and send in his card by susan appleby but under the circumstances in which he had placed himself how absurd it would be even to knock to continue this line of thought would make it impossible for him to talk with miss elliot he hurriedly pushed open the sitting-room door and as hurriedly closed it behind him hildreth looked up from her book stared a bewildered second then rose to her feet a startled look on her face i beg your pardon if i am intruding you gave me permission to come you remember formal expression came naturally to his lips it belonged apparently with his clothes i do not understand faltered hildreth she was still staring the ludicrous side of it became uppermost to john stuart king and put him for the moment at his ease i begged the privilege of an interview you remember there was something that it seemed necessary to explain to you but you are not she was about to add john but something in his strangely familiar yet unfamiliar face held back the word it was ludicrous still i am john stuart at your service he said speaking almost gaily pray be seated miss elliot and i will try to explain as briefly as possible she dropped back into her chair and john stuart drew a chair for himself uninvited and felt that the situation had already ceased to be ludicrous he had early in their acquaintance imagined scenes in which he should explain but they had never been like this one if only he did not care much what she thought of him he felt the perspiration starting on his forehead how he got through with the first of it he could never afterwards have told he knew that he stammered something about being a student of human nature and about desiring to better understand certain social conditions especially the tramp question before writing about them it was a lame defence and he realized it his listener grew colder and more dignified she interrupted him at last you claim to be a writer then that's my business what do you write he hesitated and his face flushed her tone was so exactly that of a person who not believing what he said had resolved to entrap him i have written on various lines he said at last travel and some purely literary papers at present i am writing fiction oh so you thought you would create some and act it out it may have been a very clever way but how am i to be sure which is fiction or rather where the fiction ends you are hard upon me miss elliot he said quickly 
i have done nothing to deserve your contempt then for the first time he noticed the magazine still in her hand her tone and manner stung him forced him on i see you have the american monthly there is what my friends call a very fair shadow of myself for the frontispiece can you not corroborate that portion of my story she gave a little start of surprise was it also of dismay gazed fixedly at him for a moment then turned the leaves rapidly and stared at the pictured face then back to his you are stuart king she said at last and it was impossible for mere words to give an idea what her tone expressed i am john stuart king was it a crime so great as to be beyond the reach of pardon to drop the last name for a time and come into the country and earn an honest living for myself doing honest work and doing it i believe in a satisfactory manner she was looking steadily at him there was no smile on her face no indication that she was other than gravely displeased pardon me she said at last you must be your own conscience whether the end in view was worth the weeks and months of deception that you have had to practice you ought to be able to tell better than i i cannot pretend to fathom your motive my motive miss elliot as i told you was distinctly in line with my work as a writer for the press i wished to study certain moral conditions untrammeled by the conventionalities which seemed of necessity to belong to my life in particular i desired to understand the life of an ordinary tramp and to be able to describe it from his standpoint in doing this i had a motive which even you might approve i wanted if i could to help solve the problem of how to reach and save him and you found such satisfactory conditions for studying this phase of humanity here in my father's quiet farmhouse where a tramp rarely penetrates that you have lingered on through a large portion of your exile stuart king distinctly felt the blood surging in great waves over his face once more he had blundered i used the past tense if you noticed he said presently in a lower tone it was the end for which i started out i will not deny that other motives have got hold of me and shaped my later decisions it was still a lame defence he knew that but it had in it either in the words or in the manner of rendering them that which miss elliot did not care to probe farther well she said suddenly in an altered and business-like tone i have nothing to do with all this of course you have not to justify yourself to me may i ask you what it has to do with the matter of business which seems to have been the occasion of this revelation have you any information to give with regard to squire hartwell's will that has just been found pardon me miss elliot but is that quite true from the standpoint from which you view life have you not something to do with it and with me am i not a human being with an immortal soul in which you are bound to be interested will it be of interest to you i wonder to know that while i believe i was a christian when i came into your home i have received new views of what that word should imply since i have been here she looked away from him at last down at the book she still held and toyed with the leaves for a moment then she said pardon me mr king 
I do not wish to be hard, but I am compelled to say to you that Christianity has its very foundations laid in truth. I understand you, he said. You are hard on me, but I think you do not mean to be, and I believe I should hereafter agree with you. I have started out now for truth. You asked me a question. Do you not see the relation I sustain to that unjust and foolish will? Have you heard the name of the supposed heir? She looked quickly at him, catching her breath in an exclamation. It is Stuart King, and you are— And I am John Stuart King, distant relative of Squire Hartwell. That complication, Miss Elliot, was not of my planning. It is an accident. But do you not suppose, I hope, that I will allow such an unjust will as that to stand? It was made in a moment of passion, and the maker did not live long enough to recover his sane mind. It is manifestly unjust, and I shall have none of it. Am I wrong in supposing that I can in that way be the means of giving you a bit of pleasure? You will like to have your friends remain in undisturbed possession of their own? Before he had completed the sentence, he regretted that it was commenced. Clearly, John Stewart, her father's hired man, had been on terms of intimacy with this young woman, such as were not to be accorded to John Stuart King, the somewhat famous author. He made haste to change the subject. "'Miss Elliot, will you keep my secret for a few days, until I can look about me and supply my place with your father? There are certain matters which he has entrusted to me that really require my attention, and—' She interrupted him. "'That will be impossible, Mr. King.' I am sure that my father, and my brother, who will be at home to-morrow, would undergo any inconvenience rather than to trouble you further. My father will, without doubt, entertain you as Mr. King, if it is not convenient for you to go away at once. But as for lending my aid to any form of deception, however slight it may seem to you, that is quite out of the question." If there were no other reason, the very recent painful experience in my own family would make it impossible. I understand that, too. I will go away at once, tonight if you wish it. But, Miss Elliot, surely I may return? I may call upon you as a friend? It was Hildreth's turn to flush. The color flamed into her face that had been pale before, but she answered steadily. You make me appear very inhospitable, Mr. King. I must remind you that we are not friends, but strangers. Yet you were kind to John Stuart, and friendly with him, entrusted yourself to his care, and accepted his help. But the moment that he claims equality with you, you become strangers. Nothing is changed but the clothes, Miss Elliot. Do they count for so much? There was a quick flash of indignation in her eyes. "'You compel me to plain speaking,' she said, "'by utterly misunderstanding my position. "'It is not a question of equality or inequality. "'For John Stewart, an honest man, "'earning his living in an honest way, "'I had respect, "'and was ready to think and speak of him as a friend. "'When John Stewart went out of existence, "'my acquaintance with him necessarily ceased.' "'John Stewart arose,' It seemed to him time that this interview should end. 
i will not intrude longer this evening he said in his most dignified yet courteous tone but it is perhaps fair to warn you that sometime john stuart king intends to try to secure an introduction to miss elliot End of chapter 24